Hello and welcome to this week's episode of From the Gravel Trap podcast. I'm Josh Chambers. And I'm James Stanley. And on today's episode, we're going to be having a look at the World Superbike season preview. And then we're going to have a look at the predictions for the Le Mans GP for the MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're always, as always, supported uh, by Beyond Motorsport, uh, the only organisation offering career transition support for the motorsport community. Um, and we'll look towards uh, the World Superbike preview first, as there has been quite a few transitions in this class this year. Yes, lots of lots of moving around in many, many teams. Yeah. Exactly. Only the few staying the same. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting that we're going to start off with um, a return of the Alstara team. Now, they're running Yamaha this year, but I remember the classic Alstara Suzuki teams with, you know, like Max Biaggi, Troy Corsa, Yukio Kagayama. So it's great to see them sort of returning to the paddock this year. Yeah, even I remember that sort of time. So it is nice to see them coming back. It's something I can relate to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, it was interesting, I thought, because we saw the return of Tenkarte uh, the last couple of years, the wild cards and the full return last year of Tenkarte with Loris Baz uh, and the Yamaha. And they've taken a step down there in the World Supersport Championship this year uh, with Dominic Agata and, and looking really good, actually, for the start of that season. Um, but interesting that they're not on the grid in the Superbikes this time. And Alstara seem to have taken that, that grid spot. It's a real shame that they're not actually on the grid this year because especially when I was growing up all those years watching it on the TVs, they were always like a staple of the grid. So it, it is a shame not to see them there. But it is also quite nice to see the return of the Alstara team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and as you say, all those years with sort of uh, James Toesland and uh, Johnny Raven on that that Honda squad. Um, but uh, they've, they've taken that uh, step to the World Supersport team and, and Loris Baz actually not in this championship this year either. He's off to uh, Moto America riding a Ducati this year. Yeah, I think they've already had the first couple of races there. I've seen a few clips here and then. It, it, certainly, I think a good move for him because it does, I think it maybe livens up the championship a bit now. Fobia has moved over to Moto2, having some fresh blood from this side of the pond going over. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's good that, uh, you know, he's got a ride somewhere. He's keeping active and there's the possibility of obviously getting a ride somewhere else uh, in the future. Uh, but Alstara, uh, Yamaha this year, running Christophe Ponson. Um, the French rider, he had a few wild cards uh, during the 2020 season last year on the uh, Nuovo, uh, Nuova M2 Racing Aprilia. The Aprilia, not the machine it was in the hands of Max Biaggi those years ago. Um, he got a, a highest place of 12th, I think, uh, in those wild cards last year. But a uh, full-time ride for him this year. Yeah, it's, it's always nice to see people getting who have been wild card in to actually get the full time ride it just show that it's, it's it's worth the time if you get what i mean it's not just just there for show that it's actually good useful for the riders themselves to showcase their abilities definitely and and some pedigree as well from uh second in the spanish championship in uh, the spanish superbike championship in 2019 um the only other memory i really have of christoph ponson is when he rode the bimotor superbike in the british superbikes in 2014 but they weren't allowed to score any points because they hadn't sold enough of the bikes to officially enter the championship wow <laughs> yeah his Definitely teammate, that. interestingly enough, was Christian Iden. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, next team uh, we'll move to on the grid was the uh, Bonovo MGM Racing BMW. Yeah, and on, on that bike we've got Jonas Folger. It's so great to see him back in like a full racing spec type of performance because he was showing great promise when he was back in MotoGP. Yeah, he was. He he sort of worked his way through the, the GP paddock, didn't he? And he got that ride uh, with Tectoire in 2017 in the MotoGP um, and finished 10th finished in the championship that year. Yeah, he was really, really looking good. I think, was it him and... Him, was, he, was he teammates with Zarco then? Yeah, I think it was that team that year, yeah. And they were both 
really tearing it up as such. You had like Zarka leading the first race of the season, and then both of them were performing to a really high standard. It, the future really did look bright. Yeah, definitely. Um, but had to withdraw from the 2018 season, um, diagnosed with Gilbert syndrome, uh, which is a, a liver disorder. Yeah, when when I remember when the news broke, because it just seemed to have just because I remember he was like, all all they knew at the time he was ill, and he was missing race, and then he was out for the like, for the season, like you say, he withdrew, and it was quite a shock because you you see these riders, we all think they're superhuman. Yeah, exactly. But that that uh, that syndrome, um, you know, the the symptoms of that, are, you know, tiredness, weakness, abdominal pain, not something that you can put up with when you're flying around on a on a, a MotoGP bike, certainly. And, you know, it's good, as you said, great to see him back. Uh, last year, he had um, a few rides out, finished 18th in the championship um, on, with the uh, Bonovo team, but on a Yamaha this year. This year, they're switching to uh, the BMW, as we said. Um, but he, he did have a few rides last year, a few point scoring rides. He competed in six rounds and... You know, around the top 10 we saw last year. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be his first real bite of the cherry in the championship this year. Yeah, it is. And I really do hope he really does well because I, I feel like he deserves it. Well, he certainly uh, put in a, a good showing at the uh, test in Barcelona. I know this was, you know, the, back at the beginning of April, but fourth fastest in that test on that BMW that was a new bike last year to the championship, effectively. It'll be a, uh, one to watch, I think, in the championship this year will be Jonas Folger. Definitely. Um, the next team uh, is the uh, TPR Pedicini Racing Kawasaki. Um, they've been around a, a really long time, this team. Um, but a fairly rookie lineup this year, I'd say. Um, the first rider, Samuel. Cavalieri, uh, the Italian, he did a couple of rounds as a, a stand-in for the Barney Ducati team, which was that revolving door of riders last year. <laughs> um, but it's got him that ride this year with the Pedicini team. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it did help being in the Italian Superbike Championship, getting a second place in that as well. It does show good pedigree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it was a title contender in that Italian Superbike Um Championship fourth the year before, as you said, second last year, last year, nine podiums, two pole positions across two seasons. He's certainly got a racing pedigree. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's always good to see an upward trend as well from going fourth to second. It does it shows he's developing as a rider as well. Yeah, definitely. The the next uh, rider that's on the Pedicini Kawasaki this year is uh, Loris Gresson, uh, the Belgian rider. He was in the World Supersport uh, Championship last year, but only finished twenty third. Yeah, it's a it's a, a surprising move, I think, to, in my opinion, especially when you look at how he performed last season. Yeah, he he had a standing ride for for Pedicini at the end of um, last season, just for the last round, uh, Estoril. But he obviously did enough to impress the team to secure the ride. Yeah, definitely, certainly, must have either done a good job in that, or he might have a bit, a bit of sponsor backing as well. Yeah, I mean, he's been in this championship a long time. He, he'd been in a lot of national championships, the Spanish, Italian and French championships before uh, coming into the, the World Superbike paddock in 2016. And he did uh, come into the World Supersport with the Calio racing team and didn't do too badly previously in the World Supersport. Yeah, so last year was a it was a strange year for everyone, really. So it could have just been a, an off year. And obviously he showed good potential in that. Final round with the team. Yeah, and the two years in World Super Sport before 12th both years. So we know what um, a bit of a, a fight that championship can be as well. Yeah. <laughs> really exciting racing as well. Um, next, we'll move on to the Barney Racing Ducati team. Um, one we've kind of touched on a bit already. Yeah. The revolving door. Yeah, we we talked about it because they uh, they lent their new rider uh, to the Pramac Ducati team um, for the Hereth GP. Yeah, and I think he actually might be standing in for the Le Mans GP as well. 
Oh, right. I hadn't actually heard that. So Tito Rabat, of course, we're talking about making the switch to the World Superbike Championship this year after uh, wrapping up the MotoGP section of his career for the time being, at least, um, with the uh, Avintia Racing Team finishing 22nd in the championship last year. Yeah, it was a it's fair to say it was a very, very poor season from Tito. But I do think this is going to be a really, really good move for him because... But when you just look at him, his Moto2 career, that like, he was absolutely phenomenal. So I feel that will translate to World Superbikes. Yeah, his, his Moto2 championship winning year back in 2014 was, you know, almost unbelievable, really. Seven wins, 14 podiums on his way to, to the championship with 346 points. And at that point in time, it was the highest points total in Moto2 ever. Yeah, it was an absolute phenomenal season. If I do recall correctly, there were some riders that were unhappy that he was able to use. Was it Almira? And because he, he, he's sponsored by the track, isn't he? And he virtually after every race, he could just go there and just do laps and laps on his Moto2 bike. Right. But, you know, you've got to put a get. Oh, yeah. It was, a, race, it, was, it was a phenomenal season. Yeah. Not, not taking anything away from it. It was incredible. Yeah. And I mean, he had a good crack at defending it the year after as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I just never feel like we touched on it last week when this being the best bike he's ever been on. I feel like he's never really got given a fair shot at it in the GP. No, so if he is there uh, at the French GP, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. You know, he, he had that that race at, at Hereth and he did bring it home. Um, so, you know, he'll have had some time on that bike. So it'll be good to see um, what he can do this weekend if he's there standing in again. Yeah, definitely. But at the, at the same time, it's... You don't want to get too used to the MotoGP bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, Barney Racing Ducati team not wanting to, uh, of course, lose out to if he had a crash and injured. We said he had that really funny crash in practice, didn't we, where his, yeah. his leather split open at Hera. So, uh, you know, they want him back safe and sound and ready to compete in this championship in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, definitely. But I think um, he had the phone call off the boss of Ducati. So when, when that phone call comes through, I don't think you can really say no. <laughs> No, I don't think you'd ever say no. <laughs> uh, the next team will move on to the RC Squadra Course BMW team. Uh, this year, inheriting the services of Eugene Laverty uh, down from the factory BMW team last year. Yeah, Eugene just seems like he's been around for so many years. <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkable. He seems like he's been around forever. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, you go back to... Um, sort of 2009 and 10 when he came in in the, the World Supersport Championship, finishing t- second in that twice, uh, wow. once to Cal Crutchlow. Um, and, you know, he moved up to, in 2018, he was eighth in the World Superbike Championship. This is his eighth year in the World Superbike Championship. Wow, it's, it's certainly been a, well, both, well, to be fair, both of the Laverty brothers were, a, were in and it at least occupying it at some point. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and Eugene had a, a break during that time. It's not eight years in a row, because, of course, he went off and had that experience in MotoGP as well. Yeah. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see what he can do, because, obviously, he was on the factory team last year. They they developed that bike, and towards the end of the year, they were starting to see the results. It was really heartbreaking uh, in France. Him and Tom Sykes qualified really well. Are we going to see what the BMW can do? <laughs> and they both go down in the first corner. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just typical, isn't it? It's always the way it goes. <laughs> whenever, whenever anything's looking up, something always goes wrong. Yes, anything can happen in motorsport. It's just uh, one of those things, the racing gods not smiling on them uh, last year. But they developed that bike. He's still on the same bike. He knows it. Be interesting to see what he can do this year. Yeah, I'm hoping for a good season from him. Uh, we'll move on now to the uh, Motocorsa Racing Ducati. This is a really interesting move, I think. They are have signed Axel Bassini, the Italian rider. Yeah, last season um, he was in the World Super Sport getting a 17th place overall with a highest finish of 12th. And I think that was back in 2016. Yeah, but he's only 21 years old. Like he, <laughs> He's been around in various you know, domestic championships and, and world championships for a little while. But getting this shot at, uh, at the World Superbike at just 21 years old. 
Yeah, like you said, he's been around a while. Like that, like, a, like we said, with the highest finish. That that was five years ago. So he was like sixteen then. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he was no slouch in the the test. Looking at Barcelona, um, he was twelfth. He was ahead of Tito Rabat. Yeah, exactly. He's he's showing some good promise. Definitely, it'd be really interesting to see what what he can do this year. One of uh, somewhat of an unknown. But we love a little bit of that on this podcast, just to see what's going to happen. We love surprises. Yeah, just that's that's the joy of racing, isn't it? If it's if it, if you could easily predict everything before it, then there's not the fun in watching it. Yeah, yeah, really interesting to see um, on that uh, customer customer Ducati with the Moto Corsa team. Um, the next team up, we've got the MIE Racing Honda team. Um, someone who has been around a while on this team. Yeah, Leandro Mercado. I remember the first time I, I noticed him as such was actually at the the Argentinian, I think it was GP, and I, and he was like cutting through the field a bit. And I was like, and it, this is the first time he like I, I reckon I like noticed the name as such, and that feels like ages ago. <laughs> yeah, well, he he was back in the uh, Superstock One Thousand Championship. He won that in in twenty fourteen. I mean, I mean, I really missed that championship. Please bring it back. <laughs> It was fantastic, um, but moved up from that uh, into the World Superbikes. Last year, he finished 16th in the championship on the Moto Corsa Racing Ducati. Of course, we've just talked about uh, them taking uh, the young rider, Axel Bassini, this year. Um, 2015, he came into that World Superbike Championship and finished 8th, but this is his 6th year in the uh, in the championship. So, And on that Honda, which was... Um, not the best bike last year. No, it certainly didn't live up to the expectation and the hype that was there going into the season. But let's just let's just hope it's a slightly better package this year. Certainly, yeah. And you know, again, like we said with the BMW, did develop as the year went on. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on now to the Oralac uh, racing Kawasaki this year, um, and they've got a Vinales on the bike. <laughs> Uh, but this is Isaac Vinales, uh, cousin um, of Maverick Vinales, the MotoGP rider, benefiting from some sponsorship from his cousin. Yes, yeah, certainly. You see a lot. You see them always testing, like practicing all all the time together on social media. So there's certainly a close bond between the two. Then it just it feels like he's been around. Another one who's been around for ages. I remember because I think he was he was in the wasn't he the Moto Three at the same time as Vinales. Yes, yeah. So he was in the Moto three, moved up to the Moto two, had three difficult years in Moto two really, and switched to the World Supersport in twenty nineteen. Yeah, and it proved out to be a pretty good switch for him. Yeah, he's seventh in twenty nineteen in that debut season, eighth last year with the the bizarre year on the Calio <laughs> racing uh, Yamaha. But um you know, it's another one that's been given a stab at, at performance in a in a championship after showing promise in the super sport class yeah it's, it's always just uh, again at probably the end of the day that is the main purpose as such of the super sport class but it is great to see you are able to progress up through the system talking of progressing through the uh, world super sport class um we'll move on to the pachetti racing kawasaki team um and they've signed luca mahias mm-hmm. uh, and lucas you know We've, I've kind of been waiting to see him on a superbike for a little while. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good signing for the Kawasaki team because he's he's showed really good racecraft and speed in the World Supersport last season. Yeah, second um, in the championship last year that was absolutely uh, dominated by Andrea Locatelli. We'll move on to him a little bit uh, later on, but he was the only one who really took the fight to him. Um, a former World Supersport champion in his own right in 2017 yeah he's showed consistent pace over all the years he's been there since his win in 2017 with a second place a fourth place now another second place yeah so i'm really looking forward to see what he can do um he he showed that promise as we say in the uh the lower classes um but i think he'll suit this the superbike class as do i I'm, I'm, i am really looking forward to seeing what he can do We'll start to uh, move on to some of the factory teams now. So the uh, BMW Motorrad World Superbike team, um, they have kept uh, 
their rider from last year, Tom Sykes, who really does seem to have been in this championship forever. <laughs> yeah, he's... he's I, I can't remember a time without Tom Sykes. Yeah, uh, last it's his 14th year this year in the wow. championship, um, which is unbelievable to think about it, really. <laughs> but I remember him being back in uh, in the British Superbike and on the, the Rizzo Suzuki and moving up towards Superbikes. And, of course, he's been there ever since. <laughs> yeah, he's just been a constant in the championship. And he's, to be fair, he's always performed to a very high level. Yeah, of course. He was uh, the champ- World Superbike champion in 2013. Um, he finished 12th last year. But if you look at his form across the championships, between 2012 and 2018... He was not outside the top four in the championship. That is, that is a remarkable stat when you look at it. Obviously, at the time, I think the Kawasaki was, a, as it is now, it was a good bike. Definitely. And then he's moved over to the BMW, started developing that bike. Um, but it's, it's a good, good thing for Tom, a veteran rider. And then his teammate that they bring in this year, Michael van der Mark, someone with so much promise for the future. Yeah, I was I was really surprised with the move. To be honest, I didn't I didn't expect Vandermark going to BMW. I thought he was going to be in that Yamaha team for a long time. Yeah, of course, uh, changing over from the Pata Yamaha team, where he got fifth in the championship last year. Yeah, so it was a, it was a good year. It, it was it's, it is a surprise to see him in a different team. Yeah, and he's showed so much promise. It's his sixth year in World Superbike. He's had four wins, but 37 podiums and the World Supersport champion back in 2014. Um, So it'd be good to see him take those next steps if that BMW really has come on. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see the BMW as as a force at the front more often because... I feel like they've been in the championship for a while and have always been there or thereabouts, just haven't found that last missing piece. Yeah, looking back at the the test, had a good test, sixth fastest, uh, but Michael Vandermark maybe finding his way around the bike a bit down in 14. Yeah, I think it'll definitely take him a a while to adapt because spending such a long time on one manufacturer then jumping to another, it's going to be quite a big shift. Definitely. Uh, talking of promise and uh, looking to the future, we're going to move on to the GRT Yamaha team. And I'm so excited about this team. Both the riders on this team have so much promise. I'm really excited to see what they can do. They retain Garrett Gerloff this year, the American who finished 11th in the championship. But God, he, he came on leaps and bounds throughout the year last year. Yeah, we did. I, I'm expecting... A few race wins from him this year because he looked so impressive towards the end of the season and that that run he did at Valencia on the GP bike he looked really really good. I know I was really disappointed that he he didn't get to race. You know it was when Rossi um, had had COVID and was coming back to the paddock and there was did he have to do a test when he got there or there yeah was... he had to do some he had to do like a couple of tests in the paddock before allowing to get into the paddock as such. Yeah, so Garrett Gerloff going out there on that uh, monster and into Yamaha last year and putting in some impressive times. I, You know, we talked a, a little bit ago uh, when we did uh, Cameron Bovier as the uh, rising star about Americans in the MotoGP championship. So it might not just be Joe Roberts that there's a, a little bit of a, uh, a rivalry for that spot with. Yeah, exactly. We didn't think of it at the time, but definitely Gerloff's the name in there because he's exactly the only one out of the three who's been on a GP bike and he looked good. So yes. he's, uh, he's, he's put his name out there, certainly. Yeah, definitely. And it's not um, an unusual route. So we've talked about super bikers coming into the MotoGP paddock, but he could end up going the Ben Spees route. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he is joined in this team uh, this year by Kota Nozane, uh, the Japanese rider who last year was the uh, All Japan Superbike champion. To be to, to be fair, before before signing, I hadn't actually heard of him at all, so it was a bit of a shock to see him in, and it'd be really interesting to see what he does because obviously he's coming in with a bit of pedigree. Yeah, definitely, and his riding style. I don't know if you've seen the the pictures from the test. No, I haven't. No, it's, he's 
I don't know how he's still on the bike. He's like lying on the floor. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do. Uh, another young rider with great potential. And also the first Japanese rider. I can't believe this. The first Japanese rider in the Superbike World Championship since Nori Yuki Haga. Wow, that's incredible. I, I, I remember, I loved Haga growing up watching him. He, he was such a great racer. Always oh, so close to the, the rider in front of him. Yes, yeah, so much trust. He was literally on the back wheel of the rider in front all the time. I remember on the the Aprilia back in the sort of early 2000s um, and making that bike work where it perhaps shouldn't have such an amazing rider. But he left the championship in 2013. Uh, wow. And I think that year it may have only been a couple of, a couple of rides standing in. So can you believe we haven't had a Japanese rider in the championship since 2013? I can't, I, I can't believe it. It's great to see a Japanese rider not only now coming back, but in a factory team where he's got a chance to be battling at the front. Yeah, he's definitely going to get that support there in the, the GRT team. Um, and it would be really exciting to see what he can do along with all these other rookies that we've talked about already. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll jump up to one of the factory factory teams the of course the hrc honda team um they are retaining the riders that they had last year of course alvaro bautista and leon haslam an up and down season for them last year ninth and tenth in the championship well developing the bike uh hopefully yeah because yeah it really wasn't what we all expected from the honda was expecting fireworks but there was there was not much at all yeah, their new uh, team principal is Leon Camier, of course, um, a very uh, successful racer in his own right, overseeing that team. So a racing input from a management point of view, perhaps going to help that bike? Yeah, I think that was a good move for the team and actually a really good move for Leon himself. Definitely. Staying in around and using that expertise um, to to help develop a team. Uh, Looking at the test, Leon Haslam uh, was 10th fastest in the Barcelona test, um, but Alvaro Bautista down there in 18th. Yeah, it's, signs aren't looking good at the moment. Let's just hope they can figure something out. Definitely. I mean, we said last year that we couldn't believe Bautista after that second position in 2019 on the on the factory Ducati actually changed over to Honda. Yeah, it was. it was, certainly was strange. It was a, to be fair, it was a really weird second half of the season for him because he he was miles ahead and then it all just went disasterly, disastrously wrong and then yeah. moved on. Yeah, he had that crash at, at uh, I think it was Hera, wasn't it? He crashed in the in the lead and it all just went sort of downhill from there. Yeah, it just spiraled out of control. Very strange year, but we've seen it might be that the bike comes on. We've seen success with the Honda in the British Superbike Championship last year. Uh, in the hands of Glenn Irwin, so it'd be good to see if they can take something from that. Certainly, because it's always good to see as many manufacturers at the front as we can. Definitely. We'll move on to a, a former teammate of Alvaro Bautista then, Chaz Davies, who moves from the factory Ducati squad to the uh, factory-supported Team Go 11 Ducati this year. Yeah, it was it was disappointing to see him essentially be forced out of the door at the factory team because I don't think he'd serve to have left well no when you think about it it's his 10th year in in the world superbike he's had 10 years in the world superbike championship and five times including last year he's been in the top three of the championship he's had 32 wins yeah he's a he's a top quality rider as Chaz and he's always just been really consistent and showed good pace so I'm very surprised they moved him moved him on I mean, we know that, you know, in a way, racing is an impatient sport. He, We say he'd been in the top three in the championship, but none of those were a first. Unfortunately, he's sort of been there in the Johnny Ray era, yeah. <laughs> where, you know, six of six times Johnny has won it. Um, but, you know, he's still on a factory-supported bike. We saw how good that team could be that year. It's, I think it's still a good package for Chaz moving on from the factory team. Yeah, definitely. It's nice to see him sticking on the same bike because there was the rumour of him going to Aprilia in MotoGP. 
Yeah, there was there was all sorts of rumours going round yeah. at the end of last year, like him and Dovey just going dirt tracking together at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, good to see Chaz still in the championship and definitely on a competitive package. It, it could be a really good year for the independent teams this year. If you look at the Go Eleven team and the GR. Uh, T Yamaha team really strong packages with two really strong riders in in Davies and Gerloff um, that could be very much up there in the championship contention. Yeah, definitely, and especially this season for Charles because there's pretty much no pressure on him as such compared yeah. to being in the full factory team. So it, if anything, it could be a boost in performance for him. Definitely, just just go out there and and do what you what you need to do. Exactly. Uh, we'll look to the, the Pata Yamaha team. Um, this, again, is a, a very sort of young team for a, a factory team. But, again, really exciting. They retained top rack Rasgato Oglu um, for this, this championship after finishing fourth on his first year on the Yamaha last year. Uh, it, he's a guy that has rose, uh, risen, I should say, to prominence very, very quickly. Yeah, he has. He's... He's always looked quite quick, if that makes sense. Obviously, he's been fourth in the championship, but he's always shown really good pace in virtually all the championships he's been in. He's been a standout rider, and he's also got that, that like aggressive sideward style. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's uh, uh, mentored by Keenan Sofoglu, and we know how uh, sort of an aggressive rider <laughs> Keenan was back in the day. Um, and you know he's come through. If we look at like the last five years, 2015 he was the Superstock 600 champion. 2017 he was second in the Superstock 1000 championship, and then he's come into World Superbike. He had that really impressive uh, year on the uh, satellite Kawasaki team. Uh, he's had five wins in World Superbike in a fourth place last year. I think it's a matter of time before we start really seeing him really crack the front on a regular basis. Yes, yeah, certainly. He's developing quick and he's a really, really good rider. And how can we forget he's also the king of the stoppy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him and Jack Miller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his teammate he's joined by this year, taking the place of Michael van der Mark and the Yamaha team, uh, Andrea Locatelli. We talked about it a bit earlier, talking about uh, Lucas Mahias. But... Talk about a rise to prominence with with uh, Top Rack, but Andrea, unbelievable season in the World Super Sport last year. Oh yeah, it was incredible. It, if it, if any of them was going to get the factory ride, it certainly should have been him. And I'm, it's good to see that he's got it because I think he could do some great things. And if less, if we go back to when he was in Moto Three, was that that team at the. Uh, the Leopard racing that they had there was incredible that season because you had himself and then you also, he was teammated with Quattararo and Johan Mir. <laughs> yeah, and look at them all now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but coming into that championship last year, he was on the Bard 11 brothers uh, racing Yamaha. But the, the stats for last year, I find unbelievable. Seven pole positions out of eight. 12 wins and 13 podiums out of a possible 15. It's just, that's, there is, you, that'd be the dictionary definition of dominant. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it It's going to be so good. Another one um, that is going to come in and bring some excitement, I think. Eighth in the test, um, ahead of Chaz Davies uh, and Leon Haslam. So, you know, it's a young guy coming in and already showing some speed ahead of some of the uh, the furniture in the uh, yeah. the World Superbike class. It's good to see some new younger blood in there, who are certainly, because we've seen it in all the, in like the GP classes, these young riders, they're, they're, they're fearless coming in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, someone who proved themselves last year, um, Michael Ruben Rinaldi uh, deserving of a factory ride this year and that's what he's got as we move on to the uh, Aruba uh, racing Ducati team Yeah, obviously replacing Chaz Davis I still personally think Davis should have retained the ride over Rinaldi but like you said, he showed really good pace and he's probably deserving of that factory ride Yeah, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? That We didn't want to see Chaz moved out of that <laughs> team, but 
you know, Chaz did finish third last year, but it was a very up and down year. Yeah. And Michael Ruber and Audi has shown progression through his years. And yeah. I think that has contributed to it. I mean, you know, four years ago, he was a Superstock 1000 champion and he's, he's come into the World Superbikes. He showed that progression. He got that brilliant win at Aragon uh, last year. And you could see how much that meant to him as well. Yeah, definitely. And also, it's Ducati that do want an Italian in there. Of course, yes, because uh, an all great British team last year, um, at least half Italian this year, as they retain uh, Scott Redding um, on the factory Ducati this year after his second place in the debut of the championship last year. Scott is a quality, quality rider. He he showed it just from his transition. But first of all, he was really good in Moto2 and MotoGP, he showed great speed. Unfortunate the way his career panned out in there with moving from certain teams and not panning out, but then going straight into the if you want to. Yes, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, as we said, 2013, he was second in the Moto2. He moved into MotoGP. He, he showed so much promise. And like you say, it, it just ended in such a, on such a sour note, really. But since then, the way he has rebuilt his career as such he he went into the british superbike championship in 2019 and he won it yeah and it's such a difference it's such a big jump as in like completely different from moto gp to bsb because not only the bikes but the tracks are not only going to be new to him but they're so different yeah i mean the way they are there's a, a massive difference isn't there from going around the world and and racing at Mugello and Jerez and Catalonia and, and then coming over, oh, we're, we're at Cadwell this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Not so that you... there's anything wrong with Cadwell. I absolutely love the mountain and I love that exciting track. But you have to admit, it's uh, at least Mallory's not on the calendar anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss Mallory Park. It was a great track. It was, but it just was outgrown. And yeah. Yeah, we'll probably come to that when we get onto the uh, the British Championship. But uh, as we say, Scott... Uh, you know, in in two years, he moved to a super superbike championship, won the British one, came to world and second. Um, and you know, he he really did push Johnny Ray this year. Yeah, he did, and it's it's good to see Johnny Ray being pushed because it's 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 always good to have people battling for the title. And uh, it would be good to see uh, Johnny Ray pushed again by any number of the riders we've talked about this year. Of course, he is staying with the uh, Kawasaki racing team along with Alex Lowe's uh, this year. Uh, What a good pairing they were last year. Yeah, they were really, really great teammates. You could see they worked well together and they got on well, which is always the main thing, especially when I don't want to say... Don't be mean to Alex, but there is a clear number one and number two in that team, with yeah Ray being the six-time world champion. But yeah, yeah. But it, it, Alex showed so much potential, and he has since coming. You know, he he won the British Superbike Championship in 2013, moved over, and has shown so much promise through his years. He he was third in 2019, sixth last year, but he had a few injuries. But I mean, he was leading the championship after the first round. Yeah. Uh, definitely. He, like you said, he's showing great pace. And it's I think them two staying together is going to be really good for the Kawasaki team. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to uh, a really, really good championship this year. Um, well, we've we've done it for every other class we've talked about. So I'm going to ask you, Stanley, who are you picking to win the championship this year? Ooh. Ah, it's, it's, it's a tough one because... You in your head you want to go, you want to pick someone different, but you've you've got to go with the smart choice, I think. And Jonathan Ray is going to do it again. Right. So you've picked the easy choice then. I have picked <laughs> the easy choice because even just when you have a look at the test, it's it, it's top to the the most recent tests. And it's so you're thinking maybe the Kawasaki could have took a backward step, but no, he's he's top of the charts. It's his usual place. I, I can't go against him. Uh, and I can't fault you for that. He is absolutely unbelievable. He is Mr. Superbike. He's, he, he's had such an impressive um, time since moving to that Kawasaki, but also even before that on Honda was, was impressive. Um, 
I think to disagree with you, just to make it interesting, I'm going to go with the man who pushed him so far last year. I'm going to say Scott Redding topples Johnny Ray. Again, that's something like I can see happening because we, we did have a bit of a conversation before and on who we thought was going to be the titles and those were the two names that were out there as the standout challengers essentially for the title. Absolutely. And, you know, we've we've talked about how good some of the other guys will be. I think we will see wins from, you know, Garrett Gerloff, Chaz Davis will be up there on the podium and, you know, any number of them, like we said, could be in this championship fight this year. But the top two, you know, judging on last year, they were the top two last year. I don't see any reason to discount that this year. Scott Redding, Johnny Ray. Exactly. And last year, actually, I did have Redding for the title, so. I've got, I've gone for a bit, a slightly safer bet. So you've chickened out. I've chickened. Oh. <laughs> okay, so talking of predictions, then uh, we will move on now to our predictions for this week's MotoGP race at Le Mans, the French GP. Um, looking back to last year, the weather and the unbelievable races. <laughs> Yep, and I think we're going to get more of the same because I've actually had, I've seen a bit of the weather and it's meant, I think it's meant to rain all three days. Oh, gosh, it, it always rains at Le Mans. Always. Yeah. And I, I saw an interesting stat earlier today that the Le Mans Grand Prix had the most crashes over the weekend of any GP last year. Yeah, I saw, I think it was, um, was it Frankie Carcetti, the. Johan Mir's crew chief yeah, popped yeah, it on yeah. Twitter. I saw, I saw that, and it was it was remarkable the amount of numbers it's done over the years. It was a, it was something like a hundred crashes, wasn't it, over the weekend? <laughs> something like weekend. that. Oh, that uh, that turn three is such a tricky corner. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, adding a damp patch and <laughs> a bit of elbows, and well, that was the corner. Um, oh no, I was going to say a few years ago where we saw most of the Moto Three field go down, but I think that was actually. It was Le Chappelle, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Le yeah. Chappelle. But just the track that produces um, surprising winners, perhaps. Of course, uh, Daniello Petrucci uh, winning last year as a surprise in the wet on the Ducati last year. Uh, but we'll look to the Moto3 class, first of all, for this weekend. So tell me, Stanley, who are you going for this weekend? I've been a big chicken again, and I've gone Pedro Acosta. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I can't fault you. <laughs> See, I, I was because I saw it as well. I was like, I'm not sure how he does in the wet, but looking at him, it's like you can't say no. It's like you got to go for it. That's uh, a, an interesting one, and the form he's been on. I mean, we said maybe a bit of luck last weekend, but before that, absolutely dominant mm. racecraft. Um, and the first two to two results on, on a track that he, he hadn't been to before. Yeah, he's, he, he's looking like a phenomenal racer one, certainly. That's got a very bright future. Definitely. And who have you got joining him on the uh, podium this weekend? So, I've gone for someone that we've not been critical on, just kept an eye on for certain reasons. I've gone for Ayuma Sasaki. Ah, so not only is he going to shake off the narrative of not finishing races, he's going to get onto the podium. He is. And to round up the podium, I've gone Jaume Messia. Yes, a good result for him there last year, uh, finishing fourth in the Grand Prix uh, last year, uh, and needs to get back on track after that unfortunate end to his race uh, last time out at Hereth. So what about yourself? Who have you gone for the win? Well, I had a look back at last year. I had a look at who's on form. Um, and I've gone, uh, perhaps a little bit out there, I've gone Andrea Mino to win again. Oh, again? You've, you've been on the Mino bus recently. I have. He's, he's just looking fairly calm for a Moto3 <laughs> rider. And I like that. I, I think Mino could could do well this weekend. Yeah, I, I was I was tempted to put him in, but I went for Sasaki. And uh, second, I've gone for Jaume Masia. Oh, okay, I like that pick. That's because I again, like you said for like we said about him for the third place of your pick. I think he needs a result 
and he's done there before. He was pole there last year as well. So and I know he's got the, yeah. the speed around the track. He did look um, good. So yeah. third place, have you have you gone for Acosta? Is he have you gone for the podium to continue his streak? No. Oh, I am going to say Darren Binder. Oh, um, he he didn't finish the race uh, last year, uh, but it was an electrical issue, um, and I just think he needs a bounce back race. And we said at the beginning of the year we wanted to see a more calm and collected Darren, and I think this will be the litmus test for him. He's either going to really push too hard trying to make up for mistakes and we'll see a bit of the old Darren or we'll see someone who's more composed who is qualifying better uh, who can go for the championship yeah I I really like you said it's going to be a big test for him to see which bin do we got as an asterisk I think Acosta will be fourth So we'll move on to the intermediate class then. Um, It was a dominating uh, nearly four-second win last year for Sam Lowe's. Um, Who are you picking to win this time? Um, So obviously last year, Lowe's did get helped out by Dixon falling off. But the pair of them were miles in front, which is why I've gone for Lowe's again to win. Okay, yeah, sticking with... uh... Uh, sh- sort of uh, back to the front after damage limitation last time out. Yeah, it's a track that he quite likes his Le Mans and like he showed last year. I think it's going to be wet again and he was quite dominating. And someone who else who had a good performance in the wet at Le Mans, who I've got in second place, Remy Gardner. Yeah, yeah, finishing second last year. Um, Sam definitely should be good in the wet because he's a brick. Yeah. Um, Remy Gardner from Australia. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, definitely showing form. So, who have you got rounding out the podium? I've got another bit of a out-there pick. He did pretty good here last year in the in the rain, which is why I've picked him. And I feel like he's gaining momentum. I've gone Augusto Fernandez. Oh, that's not who I thought you were going to say then, actually. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been sort of returning to form, hasn't he? But he's, uh, he's, been, he's been gradually building, I think, what I've been noticing. Yeah, yeah. Back on back to form perhaps. So going more on the form of last year. Yeah. That's what about a, yourself? A, a, a pretty strong podium I'd say there for you. Yeah, I was I was it was between cause I wanted to I wasn't gonna go an out there pick, but I was also feeling um Javi Vierhe. It was between Fernandez and Vierhe for that third place. Mm, very nice. So uh I've I've also been a bit boring. I've also gone Sam Lowe's <laughs> to win. Um because like we said, I think it's wet. He was way ahead last year. Um he's on the same bike, he's with the same team. Why shouldn't there be the same result? <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Second, I've got Marco Bezecchi. Oh, he did have a good ride here last year. He did. He was third here last year. Um it was really good to see him back on some kind of uh, well, not not form. I'm I'm being really really hard, <laughs> aren't I? This year, yeah, it was fourth, fourth, fourth and third. <laughs> uh, he's been fourth, fourth, sixth, and second oh, yeah. so far. Um, but it was great to see him back on podium form uh, yeah. last time out, and I, I think it's going to continue. I don't think he'll quite be able to touch Sam if it goes the way I think, but I think Marco Bezecchi. Um, we'll have a nice battle with my third place finisher, Digi. Oh, Digi. So we talk about form. You cannot say that Digi hasn't had a good start to the year. Um, <laughs> you know, two podiums out of four races, uh, only one finish outside the uh, the top 10, and that was uh, in Portugal. But he's got to be riding the wave after his, his, his first Moto2 win last time out. I'm going for a podium. Oh, I like it. So, uh, do we think Schroster's going to be 10th? <laughs> uh, well, funny you should mention that. Last year, looking at the results, Marcel Schroster was 10th. <laughs> uh, he, he's nothing but consistent. Yes. If, if we can say nothing else. 
Yeah. Say, he is consistent. And who's going to be above and below the shotter line this week? <laughs> okay, Premier Class time then. Go on then, James. Who have you got? Um, riding the wave. Tends to be quite good in the wet. I've gone Jack Miller. Oh, okay. So really uh, building on the, the first win in the dry uh, last time out. We're going for a second win in the wet. Yes. And I've followed him up with another Ducati, the hometown hero, Johan Zarka. Okay, yeah. He's uh, definitely one to watch. He's always sort of had the pressure on him at the French uh, Grand Prix, going back to sort of his Tectoire days, hasn't he? Definitely. I feel like the pressure will be slightly less now Quattararo's in the frame. Yeah, yeah, but they'll be wanting both of them on there. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the French fans will be uh, wanting to uh, see both of them up there. And for my third place, I've got another out out there pick. So I've had one in each class so far. So Sasaki was Moto3, Augusto Fernandez, Moto2. And in MotoGP, getting his first ever podium, Takaki Nakagami. <laughs> I've gone Takaki Nakagami. Oh, that is a great call, I think. Oh, um, yeah. He, he, we said last time out, it was so close. What has he got to do to, to break through into the podium? So you think he's going to finally do it? I do. He showed good pace here in the wet last year. The Honda, we got the second place with Alex Marquez. I just feel like this is, this is the time. So you're going no Yamahas on the podium? No. What's he thinking there? Why not? Well, we won't say Vinales because we know you've got some sore hurt feelings. Um, yeah. But uh, why not Fabio? I don't know. It's just obviously last year. It's just when it was wet. Obviously Rossi crashed at the first. Well, not the first. Technically, it's turn three, isn't it? Um, even though it's kind of the first corner. Um, and then, but Quattro just never seemed to be ever like. He just didn't seem to show up for the entire weekend, really. It was in that funny part of the year, wasn't it, last it, year for, for Fabio? But I, I think mean, it was at the start of... That's, that's where it all kind of started off. Well, yeah, because he was on pole for for that race, but finished ninth. Yeah, didn't, and, yeah I think he, had to, he, he just got through to either Q2 in the last up from FP3 or got through Q1. Either way, I remember him being in the free practice way out of the... I think it was the last lap he did in FP3 that got him through. Mm. And then obviously he stuck it on pole, but then in the race, he just... I don't know. We say it's the complete... It's like the most complete bike in terms of racing, but whenever it, last season when it was wet, the, all of them just seemed to have disappeared. Yeah, yeah. It was it an interesting round for the Yamaha uh, last time we were at the French uh, Grand Prix? Certainly. What about yourself? So, I think I, I may have been a bit more out there than even you this week. Oh. So, I've done a, a Ducati <laughs> for the win this week, uh, but I've gone for Peko Bagnaia. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Tito. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going with the championship leader. Um Again, going along the routes of calm and collected people at the moment, uh, you know, he's just been taking what he can get from these races. A, a third, a sixth and two second places, he's due a win. I believe he's due a win. I believe he's good at managing that bike. And I think the Ducati will do well in the wet. And also that Le Mans straight, although the run to the line is short, the run up to the first corner, the speed of the Ducati is going to be good. Definitely, it's just he just had a, such a poor performance last year in the wet. But he has that's something you said he worked on because that's why he struggled so much. He said in the second half when all the track temperatures were a lot colder, he really struggled with the colder tire, and obviously it's pretty cold in the wet. <laughs> so, but that's what he's been working over in the winter. He says it feels a lot better, but I just need to see it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, but you know, I, I could be way off. But I think he looks like a very composed man this he year. Does. He does. I think so too. So who have you got for your second and your third place? Second, uh, I have uh, a French hometown hero. I've also gone Zarco. 
Ooh. Okay. So I think he needs uh, to return to at least near the top of the race. Uh, you know, he started the year, the two podiums at Qatar, the spill off um, in Portugal, and then a, a bit of a off the pace weekend in general last time out at Hereth, wasn't it? Eighth place. Yeah. Um and he's good, you know, he's gonna be motivated. He's at home. Mm-hmm. And then third place, it's an all Ducati podium. It's Jack Miller. Ooh, an all Ducati. Wow. That is interesting. I I toyed with the idea of Frankie Morbidelli, but I looking back and looking at the weather. It was such a uh, sort of bad race in the wet. Any time it was cold, like you said, the Yamaha has disappeared and Frankie is still on that bike. Yeah. And he said, like you said, last time out the top, he rode the perfect race and was third. He's like, that's the best he could have possibly done. So it's, I think the podium's maybe not a rarity, just very, very tough to get for Frankie. Yeah, definitely. He's like he's like you said. It, it was like a win to him last time. You saw how hard he worked. It's uh, it's going to be a hard year for Frankie on that bike. And we talked about how he's unhappy about you know the uh, not being rewarded for that second place in the championship. And we know the the contracts were done early. But like Neil Hodgson's been saying on the BT Sport coverage, he knew what he was getting. Yeah. Very true. So we've uh, left off conveniently the Suzuki's and the Yamaha's off the podium. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you about another manufacturer. Where's your Aprilia this week? Mm, the Aprilia, that is a very good question. Um, oh, it's always a tough one, so a leash. Oh, it's a, oh, I'm torn. Uh, he's, he hasn't had the arm pump surgery yet, has he? No, that's after this GP. I'm I'm going to say outside the top 10. Okay. Is that weather? Is that the track? Um, a combination of weather, track and arm. Okay. Obviously, arm pump's not... I don't... I'm, I'm certainly not 100% sure on this, but I don't think it's as bad in the wet as it is in the dry. I, I suppose if you're not going as fast, there's not as much G-force. That's that's my thoughts, but even so, it's it's going to be a longer race, which is going to yeah. play a part into it. and It's going to be interesting to see, because obviously Dovi's been testing the Mugello, at Mugello for two days now, in the wet on the Aprilia. But last time they did a test, Elise said he didn't. He didn't even speak to Dobby. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? But they've definitely got some data now. Yeah. So uh, you've got to believe they they are going to share it, and uh, it will be interesting. If he is outside the top ten, that's Alicia's first finish outside the top ten this year. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, that's that's my prettier prediction. I'm going to throw a bold prediction out. And I'm going to say Anea Bastianini on the 29 team Ducati is going to be inside the top 10. Oh, yeah, I could see that happening. We've seen that by. I'm just loving the Ducati this week, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've, we've seen that, that bike do okay uh, in the wet weather before. And Anea has been has been doing well when he's finished he's he's been in he's had one finish outside the top 10 in 11th but i think his best finish at the minute is ninth i've said in the top 10 that's a bit vague i'm gonna say he's gonna finish seventh oh that is bold mm. be interesting to see yeah every week i've got to throw one out there <laughs> especially <laughs> when i'm picking sam lowe's to win <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, 
it's been great to, to have a look at the potential there in the World Superbike Championship and make our picks uh, for this week's uh, French GP at Le Mans. I'm going to see if I can uh, one-up Stanley again just to get back on par with the uh, predictions. But unfortunately, I can see myself pulling away. <laughs> Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Our Twitter is at FTGT Podcast. And our Facebook is From the Gravel Trap Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.